Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious, he'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy Rails tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. And I'm Jaleesa Arsip. My special co-host, three weeks running, let me say... Holidays are upon us, Jaleesa, and Joe Biden is now president, and Dr. Biden, First Lady of the United States, unveiled her holiday decorations for the season yesterday. What did we think? Okay, so overall, I would say 8 out of 10. Okay, okay, fair. Yeah, you know, I was going with 7.5, but but there is this one Christmas tree that has, like, different color ornaments on it and it, it like to me that Christmas tree says Feliz Navidad I don't know yes. what like and I was like I love that Christmas tree so that pushed it up to an 8 out of 10 um, my favorite thing about the decorations though was that there is this one Christmas tree that has uh, portraits photos of all the past first families yeah and tucked in the back of one of those trees is a small picture of Trump and Melania. And I was like, yes, that's what they deserve to be tucked in the back. And this it's like the smallest picture possible of a first family. So that was my favorite part. I was like, yes, go that, in there with a little jab. That, okay, so I didn't even see that part. And I love to know that even Dr. B can be a little petty. Yeah. Um, and my, again, my favorite thing is that after four years, so when you work in the White House and you come back after Thanksgiving and all the decorations have been put up and they're usually, they're put up by volunteers who mm-hmm. like, it's like their favorite thing and they, you have to usually sign up for some lottery and you get to come in and decorate and it's like literally elves in the White House. And there was always something to be like, oh, it smells like pine. It's so wonderful. But for the past four years, we've been in a nightmare of Handmaid's Tale meets Grimm's Fairy Tales Christmas decorations in this White House. So I was very happy to see the tree with all the doves and the state's names on them and to see general potential merriment or at least an environment that's like... Christmas revelers who are coming from everywhere for tours, assuming they're doing tours this year. Enjoy yourself. Don't leave with like night terrors. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely nothing like controversial about the Christmas decorations this year. So we can just sort of like enjoy them for what they are. I wish there would have been more. Um, I don't, I, I, they're called Noche Buenas, um, but I don't know what they're called in English. I just, poinsettias, poinsettias? Oh, poinsettias, sure. The, poinsettias, right? Um, okay, so poinsettias, total side note, and because it's my last week co-hosting, poinsettias <laughs> um, originated from my hometown in Mexico. No shit. From Tasco Guerrero. Yeah, that's where they're from. They're called Noche Buenas, and then they got genetically engineered to like look bigger and brighter, um, and so now we have what we have today, but they are originally from my little corner of the world in Mexico. Okay, so you need to find a link so we can put it in show notes and see what the OG poinsettias really look like. Yes, I will do that for sure. Today, I am joined by Julissa Arce and Michaela Watkins to answer the following questions. What the fuck is Amy Coney Barrett's problem? Will travel bans really curb the Omicron variant? Am I becoming my mother? All this and more coming up. Hello. I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I am once again joined by Julissa Arce, whose book, You Sound Like a White Girl, The Case for Rejecting Assimilation, is available now for pre-order if you haven't already done so. Julissa, how are you? I am good. I have been signing 10,000 (gasps) tip-in sheets for the book. And I'm like halfway done. Um, so my wrist is starting to get a little tired. But I'm also just like every time I sign a page, I get so excited to think I'm signing 10,000 of these and 10,000 people are going to have like signed copies of the book. And it just makes me so happy every time I sign a copy. So I'm great right now. Do you have a signature color that you sign in? No, I just sign regular black ink. But my normal signature is like a little chicken scratch. And uh-huh. so 
I started signing them with just my normal signature. And I was like, this is looks ugly. And so now I've made a really pretty signature with a big cursive J. You've stylized. Yes, exactly. Here's a, here's a book question before we get to news because news is not good this week. Um, when you go into a bookstore and you see your book, do you sign it? Yes, I do. I do too. <laughs> and, you know, that's for two reasons. Let's just be very honest here. One, okay. it's like I want people to have the signed copy. And two, because when you have a signed book, they can't return it to the publisher. And so you always want to sign copies of your own book. Okay. I had no idea that was the case, but – Sometimes the first couple of times I would like take the book up to the register and be like, hi, this is me. I'm the author. Would you like me to sign it? And they'd like, okay, I guess if you want to, you weirdo. And now I just sign it. Yeah. (laughs) I love doing that. Okay. So now the news. Let's get into it. Just when we thought we were in the safe, familiar arms of Delta, a newer COVID variant has emerged. Here comes Omicron. And for anyone who wants to, they should check out Caroline Reston's uh, Instagram page where she does the entire Greek alphabet because she was in a sorority. So uh, <laughs> let's just be glad we haven't made it to Upsilon or however you say it. But last week, scientists in South Africa and Botswana detected a new strain of the coronavirus one with about 50 mutations across its genome. By contrast, other variants like Delta have fewer than 20 mutations. Known as Omicron, the new variant has put the globe on alert. Now, here's the interesting thing. The variant has now been detected in Australia, Belgium, Botswana, Britain, Denmark, Germany, Hong Kong, Israel, Italy, the Netherlands, France, Canada, and South Africa. Many countries have imposed travel bans or curbs on South African entry to try to stem the spread. Okay. So if we do one thing on this podcast, it's that we try to get shit right. So to anyone listening, this is not like all South Africa's fault. South Africa hasn't like created this new mutation. South Africa has a very sophisticated CDC, and their scientists were the first to detect this variant. So I think it is important because everyone's like, oh, no travel from South Africa. And it's like, okay, okay. Now, there are vaccination rates on the continent that are a problem and need to do better. But I really think that there needs to just be some real clarity in reporting. And I'm not a reporter. I'm just a talker. But it was identified in South Africa, and we are grateful to them for that. But now people are banning travel. Jalisa, Mm -hmm. what do you make of these travel bans? And do you think they're effective? Okay. Number one, travel bans are not effective at all. Uh, As you may remember, when the coronavirus first sort of started spreading, during the Trump administration, his initial reaction to containing the virus was to close down the borders, to issue travel bans, and basically to blame brown foreigners for the disease. I remember very, very distinctly that there was a time when there was a travel ban from Iran, even though there were more confirmed cases in Italy, and there was no travel ban from Italy. And you just mentioned a bunch of other countries where the new variant has been identified. And as far as I know, like there's no travel bans from every single one of those countries, which tells you that the reaction is always to blame the messenger, right? It's like exactly what you said, that South Africa... It, it, it might not even have originated in South Africa. Correct. They were the first to identify it, right? And so I think that this travel bans can be very dangerous because it can disincentivize countries in the future from identifying new strands because they're probably mm-hmm. going to think, okay, there's going to be a travel ban for my country, which has economic implications for them. Two, I think that it will... It, it makes people feel like you're safe, like, okay, well, they're right. not letting people in from this country where it originated, even though it didn't necessarily originate there. Um, and I think it makes people feel safe when they shouldn't. Um, really, if we want to be safe, we know the answer. We know that it's not travel bans that save the day. It's vaccines, right? So people And testing. Con- and testing. So people should continue to get vaccinated, should get the booster if they are eligible to get the booster. Um, And I think that that brings me to my final point on this, which is that what this really shows to me is that vaccination efforts have to be viewed as a global 
effort. Because you mentioned sort of low vaccination rates in the continent of Africa. And um, here's the thing, like rich countries have a responsibility to help countries with less resources, especially when things when it comes to things like vaccines, because we know that if there is a new variant somewhere else around the world, it's going to end up in the United States. So like selfishly, we should want to help other countries get their vaccination rates up because, and it's not me saying this, it's like medical experts who have said this, as long as there is a low rate of vaccination around the world, there's going to be new variants and they're going to be more aggressive. They're going to be more infectious. So yeah, the answer to all of this really just comes down to vaccinations, testing, and these travel bans really don't do anything. And I'm really disappointed that the United States is following suit and also issued a travel ban because we know from the last administration that they don't do anything to stop the spread. Well, and that once the virus is known, it's probably already here. <laughs> and right, so, exactly. you know, I think that I think that's such a good point. Hopefully, I mean, it looks like word from the administration is that this is a hopefully very temporary move and they just wanted to put the ban in place to allow the U.S. to prepare for Omicron, which I guess means double down on vaccination efforts. Yeah, which is also silly because they're like, we know that this new variant exists and we're going to um, do a travel ban. And I remember, was like, I think I was listening to it on NPR on Friday. And then they're like, we're going to issue the travel ban on November 29th, like a few days later. And I'm like, okay, so what do you think is going to happen in the next three days when people are coming in? Like, it, It's very complicated. I yes, mean, I'm sure there's some good sense behind it, but none that is really readily available to us, I guess, at this point. So Omicron, and also worth people listening who don't know much, uh, they don't know if it's that much more infectious. They don't know if it will get you sicker. Um, mm -hmm. They just know that it has more mutations. And so we should know something in the next two to three weeks. And I continue to wear my mask dutifully and suffer from my coffee breath. <laughs> but you know, don't we all? It's a small price to pay. <laughs> On to a lighter note, abortion. As you and I sit here Wednesday morning recording, oral arguments are ongoing. I listened to some this morning. It was very stressful. Um, so today, SCOTUS is hearing Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, which poses the single greatest threat to Roe v. Wade. It involves a Mississippi law, which was passed in 2018, that prohibits nearly all abortions after the 15th week of pregnancy. This law, which violates the Supreme Court's holding in Planned Parenthood v. Casey, 1992, that a state may not prohibit any woman from making the ultimate decision to terminate her pregnancy before for viability. The question presented by Dobbs, and for anyone listening, yes, I'm reading this because I don't want to fuck it up. The question presented by the Dobbs case is whether, quote, all pre-viability prohibitions on elective abortions are unconstitutional. So as everyone was getting going this morning, I did get to hear some of uh, the justices' uh, comments and questions. And Justice Breyer said just moments ago, the court should not overturn controversy watershed cases, arguing the court's integrity rests on supporting precedent. Amy Coney Barrett compared the bodily autonomy of abortion to vaccine mandates. So things are going great at SCOTUS today. Now, Republicans are fucking shysty, and the fear is that SCOTUS may not explicitly overrule Roe, but will abolish the constitutional right to an abortion while maintaining the illusion that Roe is still intact. Jackson Women's Health Clinic, which is actually known as the Pink House, is the only abortion clinic in Mississippi and has been busier than ever as SCOTUS looms, also helping patients from Texas who are traveling to them since the passage of SB8, which outlaws abortion after six weeks. And, you know encourages people to narc on each other and make up things and sue each other. It's some fucking crazy whack-ass bullshit. So the Pink House is currently seeing over 300 patients for abortions alone per month, which is up from about 150 to 200. The only doctors who perform the abortions fly in from out of state. There's a Rolling Stone article by Tessa Stewart with clinic director Shannon Brewer that is really worth the read to see all that these folks in this clinic, there are about seven or eight employees, that's it, are dealing with. Julissa, what, what do you, what do you think? What, what the fuck? What the fuck is, is right. I mean, what, what the fuck is like the only reaction I can have to this because we knew that it was coming, right? Like, here's the thing. 
all of these um, efforts to overturn Roe have been ongoing for decades. I mean, pretty much since the moment Roe was passed, conservatives have been building efforts to overturn it. So it's 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 a long time coming. And I think a little bit like, I, I do think that we took our kind of foot off the pedal a little bit in so, some of these protections. Um, and also Republicans and conservatives have been very they've been like really scheming to try to figure out a strategy for how to overturn it. And their strategy is working, right? Like there, this is why we are where we are right now. And this isn't even the only case that is challenging Roe. I mean, as you said, it is the most um, sort of direct challenge to it, but there are others um, and there will continue to be others because states purposely pass laws that they know are not in line with Roe so that they can go to the court and try to right. overturn it. And they have a court right now that is very likely to make that happen. And I think the scary thing is that the 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 words Roe v. Wade is overturned might not be uttered by right. the Supreme Court. Um, but that doesn't mean that in practice, Roe won't be overturned, right? Because they can right. sort of say, okay, the constitutional right to abortion uh, is still uh, protected, but they can allow all of these really horrible measures to continue that essentially would make it impossible for abortion clinics to survive. Um, they can allow for barriers to get in the way of abortion right plaintiffs. And so there's a bunch of really terrible things that the court can do without necessarily saying that Roe is overturned. And I think that's where we have to keep a really watchful eye and continue to fight for the right of women to have a choice over our own bodies and autonomy over our own bodies. And here's a question for you. So God forbid, God forbid the court makes a crazy ruling here. Um, who does it impact most? Because we always talk about women broadly, but who does this, who, Roe being overturned, who would really be impacted? Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it's probably not going to be a surprise to any of our listeners that the people that are going to be most impacted are going to be low-income people, people of color, particularly Black women, um, abortion funds, undocumented people. Uh, so, so the the most impacted people are going to be the most already vulnerable people. Um, and I think that that's by design. You know, I was just thinking about all the ways in which um, this country has tried to control women's bodies, and particularly Latina women, because it's something that I look mm -hmm. at a lot. And it's not just with abortion, right? I mean, in decades past, uh, the U.S. has had programs like in Puerto Rico where they sterilized women. We know that not too long ago, I mean, just uh, last year, there were detention centers that were uh, coercing women into irreversible procedures where they couldn't have more babies. And they also denied abortion to women in detention centers. And so all of this is not... It's not about the right to live. It's not about, um, you know, being pro-life. It's, it's about being pro-controlling women's bodies. And I don't really have anything positive or, or good to say about this other than like we have to keep fighting because they are. And so we just have to keep fighting for, I mean, I'm getting like emotional thinking about this because it's like, exhausting. You know, it's Total, like every totally. day there is something else that we have to fight against. And I don't even know where to start right now. It reminds me of the, a lot of the signs that older women hold at these rallies that say, I can't believe I'm still holding this fucking sign, mm -hmm. right? That they have been mm -hmm. protesting and fighting against this for so long. And so like, let's just say thank you to all the people in front of the Supreme Court today protesting and making their voices heard. Um, and, you know, I guess what can we do but say fingers crossed? Yeah. And keep fighting. I mean, like get involved, you know, like keep fighting and keep talking about it and vote and vote. While we talk about it on hysteria here a lot, there are millions of people who really don't know that this is a fucking thing and this is a problem because there are so many other problems people are dealing with. So 
literally talk about this as much as you can. Make the issue known. Um, for our audience, if you're looking for someone super smart to follow um, on social media who breaks this down better than either of us ever could, um, Hysteria Fave NYU Law Professor Melissa Murray. We love her. She's been on. She really knows how to talk about this. At Prof M. Murray on Twitter. Jaleesa, I feel like we should end on a positive note. Do you have any toasts? Yes, I have some toast. Um, and I'm so glad that we're like turning the tide around to, yeah. to more positive news because that shit was depressing. So my toast, and this is the international version of uh, the toast. My toast is for the people of Honduras who have just elected Xiomara Castro de Sayala as their first female president. Um, and she is a leftist candidate who's not shy about saying she's a uh, democratic socialist. Um, you know, she is coming into power after 12 years of a very conservative um, government there. And, uh, you know, related to what we're talking about in the news, um, she's also sort of said um, she wants to ease some of the restrictions of abortion in Honduras. Um, and so there's a lot left to be seen um, because, you know, her husband was the president um, before and he got ousted when he wanted to change the constitution to like have more terms. But we are not going to blame her for the actions that her husband took. Uh, we're going to celebrate her and we're going to celebrate the people of Honduras for electing finally their first female president. Wow. Here's to you, Honduras. There you have it. That is actually something to cheers. Uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be back with Personal Political. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I, I just like, I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more, more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, <laughs> not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. And we're back. Jaleesa, 
little bit of an audible we're calling today. Um, because our one of our very special featured guests, who is an issue area expert on what we wanted to talk about, has been called into an emergency at work. Her time is spent better there probably than it is here with us. So it's you and me, and she's Hysteria's favorite actor, a lover of early dinners. Michaela Watkins is joining us. Hey, girl. Yay. Hi. I am a lover of very early dinners we've discussed. I love it, though. I'm going to always discuss it because I am too, so it's just, you know. Especially Company. in wintertime, especially as we cruise into December, into the short, short days. And you're like, is it, is it 1 a.m.? Oh, it's 7.30 p.m. <laughs> this is, do you mean like <laughs> when you're like, don't you want to go eat dinner at five so we don't get home and it's too, too dark and we're not playing slalom with the deer on the road? <laughs> <laughs> which is something my mother would say, which is what we've decided to talk about today because when we were discussing amongst the three of us what would be interesting and fun for us to talk about, we deteriorated or devolved or whatever into a conversation about our moms, but in a good way. Mm -hmm. And I guess the three of us are going to talk about today, are we becoming our mothers? And Mm -hmm. when you're younger and someone says that to you, you're like, I'm not my mother. And then the older you get, you're like, fucking right, I'm my mother. And (laughs) I'm wondering where we are in the personal journey and what the traits that we're all taking on make us more like our moms. Michaela? Yes. Are you turning into your mom? Well, you know, there's something I was just saying to somebody recently who is um, ha- has sort of like a, a, a complicated divorce and um, has the kids and and there's just real animosity coming from the other parent. And they said, I just don't know what to do. And I said, the only thing you do is you never, ever, ever disparage the other parent because that's that's them. Right. That's who they are. They're going to, if you start to say, your mom's a bitch, <laughs> you say <laughs> something so horrible like that, you have to understand that that child is going to internalize that. And if you say they're frigid, if you <laughs> say they're unfun, if you say that they're too manic and people don't like them, you have to understand that that DNA is poured into that child And we walk around thinking, oh, God, I don't ever want to become that person. I don't want to become that person. And uh, my parents, you know, got divorced at a funny time where it just wasn't happening all that much. And so they were sort of um, really pioneers of how to um, dislike each other. And they did it very badly. I think they would both admit this. And so my sisters and I have this really huge sort of ingrained almost disregard for our parents in a way that we've had to mature and grow out of mm-hmm. um, where we were like, oh my God, the one thing we could all sort of bond on was how stupid they were acting, mm. you know? <laughs> and when I see that behavior come out in my nieces and nephews directed at us, I'm like, oh, we were the same way. But man, does it really steam my beans to no end to see them be so disrespectful I almost said to my niece just recently, you know, over the holidays, if you think I made it this far in life and I haven't obtained or absorbed or evolved into anything worthwhile, why would you ever hang out with me? Why would you ever spend a single second of your life with somebody who hasn't really taken something from this world and that experience and had that grow and seed and and manifest into actually knowing about something that maybe you don't. And that's what we had to do with our parents. We were like, Mm. oh, they're actually kind of extraordinary. (laughs) They do know (laughs) a lot and maybe they don't do things the way we would. To answer your question, Alyssa, am I becoming my mother? Physically? Absolutely. (laughs) But because of that skeptical eye as well, I think that I have avoided some of the biggest sort of um, potholes that have worked for her and that she seems to really be okay with, but aren't going to work for me. Okay. Are yeah. are there ways, are there quirks that you have developed as you've gotten older that are anything like her quirks? Yes. Okay. My mom's like, mom, I love you. 
stipulate up front. We love all of you. We love so much. I love you. I love you, mom. You don't listen to this probably anyway. <laughs> um, but, but my mom is a hoarder. She, she, um, it's goat paths in the house. Can't move. Can't there's, there's hampers full of dishes. There's bathtubs full of sweaters. It's, it's a real thing. It's like, uh, it's sort of a child of immigrants kind of thing, you know, where it's just kind of hold on to everything. You might need it. You might use it. Mm. Everything, anything, everything is sentimental. Everything's been passed on. It's like sort of just all hoarded, hoarded. And I have that tendency and it's so hard for me to throw away an unused piece of paper, an unused bag or a once used bag or anything like that. You know, cabinets full of of bags, just <laughs> grocery bags and, and, um, and good wrapping paper. That's another thing. Oh, oh. definitely. <laughs> good wrapping paper. Just fold it up. Same with the ribbons, all the bows, everything. We, Michaela, we have a joke. There are at mm. least three or four bows that are in the bow box at Christmas that have been there since I think my second or third Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I, I relate. Because I why relate. would you throw it out when you can roll tape and stick it back on a present next year? Fully relate. I mean, Jaleesa, what about you? I hope that one day I can become my mother. Uh, and I feel like yeah. I have felt that way about my mom since I was little. Like okay. I've always tried to be like my mom. You know, like whatever she was doing, I wanted to do. Like, mm. you know, if she was like washing her face. I wanted to wash my face next to her. Like if she was putting on uh, a dress, like I would be like, can I get a dress that looks like my mom's? Like if my mom, the way she talked, I would want to talk the way she talked. Like I've always just like really looked up to my mom and wanted to be like her. Um, And I've just, I've learned so much from my mom. So like, I hope one day I can become like my mom. I was thinking this morning that I was talking to you guys about my smoothie and like mm-hmm. how good it is. And it's because it has like Herbalife protein on it. And that's like <laughs> definitely my mom. Like my mom goes to have her Herbalife shake every single morning. Um, and this past week, my nephews were with me and I definitely felt like I was trying to be like my mom with them. You know, my mom would always like my mom when I was little, she would always like try to teach me lessons, right? Like she would always like sit me down and like give me some philosophical reasons why things were happening or like this is like you should have this like positive outlook on life. And so like mm. my nephew lost his AirPods, um, hit the case and he was like getting really upset. And I was like, listen, like it's just a material thing. Like don't let it ruin the time that you have here. And I feel like those are things my mom would have told me because like those are still things my mom tells me now like my mom is 68 years old and she is taking a computer class well because she wants to know how to have an etsy store because she wants to sell her jewelry and Mm -hmm. i've been dreading taking this master class class um to like learn something new like i want to learn something new but i just feel like i have no time or whatever and here's my Mm -hmm. mom at six years years old like taking computer classes and i'm like man i have no excuse like i need to like get on it and take my masterclass class that I've had bookmarked for like two years. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I, I hope one day I can become like her. And I hope that, you know, if I ever have a daughter or a son that, that I can raise them in a way that she raised me where they want to be like me. Mm. Do you, a sort of same question, are there any like sort of specific quirks or tics that your mom had that even growing up, stipulate you love your mom, but that growing up you're like, oh my God, that's so annoying. I can't believe she talks that way or she says that thing and you find yourself doing it now. Okay. And now it's charming, not annoying. Okay. No, the things that my mom did when she, when I was young that were annoying, like are still annoying and they're actually the things that like I really avoid doing. For example... (laughs) My mom's purse always is a total fucking disaster. I mean, there are like wrappers there from like 1995. There's like, you know, I I mean, I don't know what she has in her purse. And also she can't ever find anything in her purse. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. her phone. It takes her five minutes to find her phone in her purse because there's like so much other shit. So I'm like obsessed about cleaning up my purses. Like every time I go out and I have to switch purses. I organize my purse, make sure that everything is where it's supposed to be, that it's neat in there. 
So actually the things that the quirks that my mom had like that um, are not things that I do. Although there is one thing that I do that my mom used to do that when I was young, it used to embarrass me, which is that she would take huge packet, like a huge amount of packets of like the sugar or like the Splenda or the whatever <laughs> from the coffee shop or the restaurant. Like she would just take like, put her hand in there and take like a bunch of them and put it in her purse. I do do that now because I think I'm going to run out. I might need Splenda and I might go to a place that doesn't have Splenda. And I know. And but, then, oh God, what take will it. happen to you? But exactly. here's the, what, but given, so given <laughs> that, given that tick, that quirk, so, but then when you get home, do you immediately unload it from your bag because you don't want clutter in your bag? <laughs> That's a good point. Yes, I do do that. Which then See? defeats the purpose of because now you don't have Splenda on the run. You just have a lot of exactly. stolen and then Splenda when I get to a place, yes. And then when I get to a place that doesn't have Splenda, I'm like so upset with myself because I think I had like five packets of Splenda in my purse that I took out, and now I don't have Splenda. I mean, you guys, I. I've 100% turned into my mom, like 100%. And I don't know if it's because I spend so much time with her now that I see all of the just special sauce behind her ways growing up, Mm. sort of. Like, I guess my husband says a lot. My mom's name's Lydia. He'll be like, okay, Lyd, when I say things. And I think usually it means I'm being somewhat rigid about something. Maybe, you know, not that my mom isn't open-minded because she's very open-minded, but if she thinks there is a right way to do something, no one is telling her otherwise. And that has 100% become me. It's like, why would they do that? Like we were watching, this is years ago, but David and I were on vacation and he was taking a nap and I was watching the Food Channel and Reed Drummond. And I love the pioneer woman. Mm. Um, she made lasagna with cottage cheese, which is not something, thank you, Julissa, that is not something we do in our family. And unbeknownst to me, he was watching me talk to myself at the television (laughs) where I was like, are you fucking kidding me? That is fucking disgusting. Who the fuck does that? And I just kept going and going. And then at the end of the episode, he's like, I guess you don't do that. And I was (laughs) and he's like and he's like well why did you watch it and I was like well because I have to see how it turns out like obviously but Mm -hmm. I mean literally you guys fast forward a couple months ago my mom was like did you see that episode of the pioneer lady where she was making cottage cheese lasagna she's like who does that and I was like oh damn (laughs) these are there's also like as as I get older and living, living not in the city makes this much more possible, but I will go to five or six different grocery stores to get all of the very specific ingredients I want instead of just accepting what one of them has. If I know someplace else has the exact same thing I want. Oh, interesting. Well, in, in our family, we just, um, keep buying the same thing, forgetting that we already bought the can of garbanzo beans. (laughs) And so we're like, oh, let's put this on the shelf with the other 17 cans of garbanzo beans. Um, But I can just really do a quick rundown of all the things here. Yeah. One of the things that really bothers me is because I have to, you know, when your mom does something that sort of really pushes your buttons, but it's something that you kind of do also, but it's the point of pride. I'm very honest. And I appreciate that about myself because when I give a compliment, I think people know I'm not blowing smoke. I think they know that I'm I'm really mean it. And also, conversely, if I say something um, very, very clear, that's not the most, you know, effusive thing in the world, I think my friends appreciate it because it's coming from a place of love and it's um, it's just reflecting reality back to them because I don't. I don't think everybody just wants to have a yes man surrounding them or a yes woman. It, it sort of passed down from my grandmother where my gram, we would show up at my grandmother's house and she would look at me and go, you eat. And then point at my mother's belly and go, this one, twins. <laughs> and she was trying to tell my mom, you need to lose weight and you need to eat. You're too skinny. You're too fat. And, uh, you know, we, we were fine. And then she would just stick her face out and be like, hello. And we'd give her a kiss and nobody was offended. And and my mom does this thing now because of FaceTime and Zoom where she just, you know, will be talking to me and say, oh, look at all your lines. Oh, look at, 
Look at the background. Oh, your kitchen's so beautiful. Oh, why do you have that pot? That's an <laughs> ugly pot. Why do you, you know, or I see that you're cheating on your, on, on whatever you're making. Then, you know, you should do it. And it's just like, lady, you're driving me nuts. But I always think it's so charming when I do it. <laughs> <laughs> but do you take it differently now than you would have when you were younger? Oh, absolutely. I mean, she can't drive me too crazy about stuff like that anymore. I just kind of roll my eyes. It's not what I want to hear, you know, but going back to that whole thing of like, are we becoming our mothers? We, we really have to change, I think. And Julissa, you are definitely an exception because a beautiful exception. I was at a Thanksgiving this week where the 16 year old said her mom was her best friend. And I was like, what? What is that like? <laughs> that's amazing. Wanting to hang out with your mom all the like that's crazy. That's so cool. Uh, I deep, deep envy. Um, and that's not to say I don't love and respect my mom. My mom's outrageous. What my mom has done as a single mom is, I mean, is just awe, awe inspiring. But but I would say that in I'm in the entertainment business. Women over 50, people over 50 in general are so disparaged and so treat, and treated so, mm. so terribly uh, in, in scripts, in media. Um, the way that we, I, I've started to change the way I use words with friends where I don't call myself a grandma because I don't know how to do stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to stop mm. saying that being older is somehow deficient because here's a fun fact, women peak in their careers in terms of uh, statistically, on average, women peak at, at how much money they make at 37 and then it drops from there. Oh, God. Okay. You know, that's men, not, not untrue, actually. <laughs> men peak at 53 and then it plateaus. doesn't drop. It, it plateaus. plateaus. And if you look in, especially, okay, for my business, if you look at the people in film and television that that 93% of the people over 50 are white men and that, you know, less than women is are women of color who are very, very, very underrepresented. And if they are represented for women, it's always because of some romantic thing. And 25% of the time it's to sort of ridicule. It's to be like, there's that crazy old lady, you know? Mm-hmm. So if I want to have any longevity in this damn career, I have to start to celebrate uh, older older women, how I talk about older women. And mostly I, I want to write uh, for women who are over 50 and see those women in shows where we're not looking at them going, I hope I never become that. Mm-hmm. That's why that show Frankie, what is it? Frankie? Frankie and, and Grace. Frankie, Frankie and, and Grace. Grace. Yeah. Like that's why mm-hmm. that show is like so important and mm-hmm. so cute. And Perhaps. also- Salma Hayek in The Eternals, mm-hmm. you know, that was also uh, really important. And I also want to say that, you know, I love my mom so much and like I want to be like her. That doesn't mean she doesn't annoy me all the time, <laughs> you know, like when we go on vacation, she does all these things like take the sugar and I'm like embarrassed by it, even though, you know, I would probably do the same thing. Um, so it doesn't mean that it just, you know, I, I we definitely still annoy each other uh but I have a lot of patience with my mom where I try to have a lot of patience with my mom because I also know like so much of the shit she's been through you know that I'm just like okay I know where it's coming from like I'm just gonna swallow this but then when I get back home to LA uh I need a massage immediately because (laughs) my shoulders are so tense you know (laughs) I know that song. <laughs> that, Michaela, it's such a good point you say, though, about how women who are older are portrayed. Because I don't know if anyone saw this, but Jane Pauley interviewed Candace Bergen mm-hmm. um, about getting older. Mm-hmm. And it was how, a series. How old was Candace? 75. Oh, okay. And it was, I think the series is called The Fountain of Youth. And Candace Bergen was like, basically, she was saying that her whole life she was trying to not be the age she was. And then when she got to 75, she was like, fuck it. Don't care if I have a waddle. I'm just going to wear a turtleneck if I don't want to look at it on Zoom. Like there's an interesting Mm -hmm. thing too about like getting older over the past couple of years and it just being reflected back to you nonstop all day on your Zoom, right? Mm -hmm. And like how that changes 
uh, when you're forced to look at yourself all day, how you feel. But honestly, I've just made peace with it all. I feel like Frances McDormand is my North Star. You know, like it's, I want to win an Oscar someday and not wear makeup up on stage. Alyssa, I, 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 you preach because I feel the exact same way. In fact, one of the things that we were talking about was how we feel about our bodies and all those things. And I will say that there has been uh, such a enormous uh, change that has come over me. And I don't know if it's because I'm approaching a half century or if it's the pandemic, but I genuinely don't care that I look younger than my age. I'm cool. I'm so cool with looking my age. I'm <laughs> fine with it. I celebrate it because you know what the alternative is? Dead. So I'm good. And and I'll be honest, when I see people who can't embrace their bodies and their age, it's starting to have a different kind of impact on me. I used to think like, oh, what are they doing? How do I do that? How do I, what, what moisturizer, oil regimen are they doing? What workout, Pilates, bar method, yoga pose are they doing? And now I just, if I see an obsession over trying to not look your age, I might, you know what, you know what I hear in my head? What? I hear, oh. <laughs> Like I subconsciously <laughs> I feel bad. Be more. Yeah, I no, just, that's it. I just go, oh. Like I don't I don't judge. I'm not like, yay you or boo you. I just in the back back annals of my of my unconscious, you know, psychology, I just hear like, oh. I couldn't agree more. Like I think that COVID, that is one thing that COVID has really put into perspective, is that it was such a largely equal opportunity attacker, you know, and Mm. that perfectly healthy people um, died and people who were not as healthy, but, but, and that, and health means all different kinds of things when it comes to COVID about whatever comorbidities that you could have. And so now I look at my face and I'm like, I'm fucking here. Like I Mm -hmm. went for the first time because, you know, as so many of us, always a good reminder, if you put off exams while you, during COVID, go get them now. Michaela Mm -hmm. went and got hers. I went and got a bunch a couple of weeks ago. And I have not had that level of stress. I got the full top to bottom, you guys. I got Mm -hmm. the MRI full body scan. They checked Mm -hmm. my heart, the whole thing. And I'm in the elevator with my sister. This is like five days later. And the radiologist accidentally sent me the results instead of the doctor. And I was looking at it like, you know, like if I opened it, it was going to explode. And she's like, come on, do it. Let's see what it says. And I was like, okay, okay. Are you mentally and emotionally capable of dealing with me right now? If there's like bad news in here, as I lay, the lay person determined, like, like interprets what this says. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, no, please don't do that. I'm not emotionally prepared for that at all. And when I got the results and they were, you know, not good like you, they were, they were good. And I had had my colonoscopy this year and that was good. And I was just like, what the, I have literally nothing to be stressed, upset about. Like I am so lucky. I think that it's more than anything. We always say that we should be grateful for our health. And I feel like I've never appreciated that more than I do right now. Jalissa, can I ask you a question? Because mm-hmm. you're, you're. Yeah, always... it's free form, dude. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a free form today. <laughs> do you, does, your, does your mom, um, how do you feel like, this is such a, Just ask a girl, ask this question. Like, do, does your mom make you excited to grow into your older woman body? Or are you like, um, do you, what is your, what is your view from where you sit? What's your perspective okay. on older women? And so bodies? not only do I want to grow up to be like my mom, like the way she is, like her character and stuff, but like, I hope mm. I age like my mom, mm. you know, like my mom is like, just, she's just always like, okay, my mom has been, um, pescatarian since like my whole life you know Mm -hmm. and like she like I was talking about like her washing her face uh and she was just like you know every day you have to wash your face uh at night and like if you don't wash your face it means like you don't respect yourself and she'd be like she even said something to me like um a girl without earrings is like a night without stars. Like she has all these like little sayings, you know? <laughs> uh, and like even now that she's like 
I mean, so this is one thing that I'm like sometimes like, oh my God, mom. But I just had to let her be, which is just like, and and to your point, it's about, and I've said this on the on the pod before, um, that, you know, I feel like sometimes my mom dresses in a way that I'm that in my mind I'm like, okay, a sixty-eight-year-old woman shouldn't wear that shirt, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I'm also trying to be like, okay, where the fuck did I where the fuck do I get these like ideas from of what should a six year old woman wear? Like these are stupid rules and like they should be out the window, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, um, and that's another thing I really appreciate about my mom. She's like, I don't care that I'm 68. Like I'm going to, you know, try to wear the nice dress. Like I, you know, I'm still going to try to like have my herbal life every morning and go for walks and do my makeup. And like she, um, I think she sometimes feels like when she looks at herself in the mirror, she does, I think, sometimes wish she didn't, um, you know, I think her eyelids are a little bit like, I mean, I can even see that on my own eyelids now and I'm 38, you know, like where they're like just a little heavy. Um, and uh, and like she always that, complains <laughs> about that, you know, she complains about her her eyelids and like she's quote unquote joked about wanting me to gift her like. I don't know, a surgery to like have them, whatever. And I'm like, no, mom, like I'm not going to do that because I don't want you to die in like surgery to like <laughs> fix something that doesn't need to be fixed. Um, and, you know, I think the other thing about my mom, with my mom, so I um, I was undocumented for a while and I couldn't go to Mexico to see my mom. And so mm. I didn't see her for a very long time. And so wow. that was like a shock. You know, like the first time I saw her after not seeing her, it's like, in my head, she looked a certain way. How long, if I may ask? Yeah, I didn't. I, well, she had been able to come see me. So I didn't see her for like five years. Yeah. Oh, wow. But, it, but if those five years was like… Wow. A re- maybe it was longer. It might have oh. been longer than five years. But so I didn't see her for at least five years. And it made a big difference, you know, like from mm-hmm. what she looked like in my head to what she looks like oh. now. And then now I think about like my sister. Mm-hmm. She hasn't seen my mom in like… 13, 13 years. Whoa. Uh, because she's still undocumented. And so, um, like, I, I just think when she does see my mom, it's going to be a shock, you know, because right. you have a, a, a image in your head of what people look like. And unless you're seeing them on a regular basis and you're seeing them change, then mm-hmm. you don't see them for a long time. You're like, oh my God, you know, like, and I think that even happens now when like, I go a year without seeing my mom, which I don't, I, I usually try to see her at least twice a year, but mm. with COVID, um, mm. I didn't see her. And the first time I did see her, I could tell, you know, how she had aged. And, mm-hmm. and, and but this time it was like, I, 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 I think I'm, um, she's definitely uh, comfortable with aging. And so it's also made me feel comfortable, not just with her aging, but with my own. Okay. You know, See, like mm-hmm. that's the key, right? You got to ha- show that you are comfortable with aging and that's, that's what you're passing down. I mean, that's, yeah. that's like amazing um, to have that confidence. I think you guys, what? We fucking killed it. Did we, did we, did we, did. we had a conversation with absolutely zero preparation that I thought was engaging and fun. And when we're back, I feel petty. Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious, he'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy or Else tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. Welcome to the part of the show where we get petty as fuck, but first, some housekeeping. 
What a year. Before we head into what we can only expect to be another wild year, Crooked presents What a Year. Join Pod Save America's John Favreau, John Lovett, Tommy Vitor, and a lineup of your favorite Crooked hosts, including us, for a night of sketches, audience games, and much more. With your help, we'll also be raising money for our No Off Years Fund. Tune in live for the What a Year live stream on Tuesday, December 7th at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. RSVP at crooked.com slash what a year. Still looking for the perfect gift for the holiday season? Check out our Hysteria holiday collection for ornaments, sweatshirts, desk calendars, and more. And you can check my Instagram for a very cute picture of Midge with her Midge bowl. Shop all the new festive arrivals now at crooked.com slash store. Okay, the house has been kept. Let's get to our petties. All right, Jalissa, you're up. What are you feeling petty about? You know, I kept thinking about what do I feel petty about? And I couldn't come up with anything good because I'm <laughs> trying to be on this like positive mindset of like, Things coming off of me like butter. Is that is that a saying? Sure, like just, it is like, now. Right? And like they just like come off of you. They yeah. Come off. So yeah. what do you feel? So, what do you feel positively about? Um, I feel positive about um everything. I have been uh, in a very happy mood. Actually, you know what? I just remembered something I feel petty about. Hit it. I feel petty about uh, expired Peloton. Coats. Okay, so I have a Peloton. I've ha- I have had a Peloton since before. You know, Peloton was everywhere, and everybody was getting Pelotons during COVID. Like I had a Peloton before that, and I was all like, you know, everybody get your Peloton, and I would post a, a lot on my Instagram stories about my Peloton, and I would let people um, know about my code because if they use my code, they get a hundred dollars, and wow. I get a hundred dollars towards like apparel and stuff, right? And then apparently there was a limit on how many uh, of those codes you could give out a year. So I met, I like reached my cap. And so then I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to post about Peloton anymore because like, for why? Like they're restricting me. And then I forgot about Peloton codes. And then I just realized that I had three Peloton codes that expired. And I reached out to them and I was like, hey, we've been in a pandemic and I forgot about my Peloton codes. Is it possible to reinstate them? And they were said, No. So they did not let me use my three Peloton codes that I worked very hard through my Instagram stories to get people to get their Peloton so that I could have Peloton apparel. Are you in California? I'm in California. Yeah. You know, coupons don't expire. But it's not, I don't know. Is it a coupon? Because I it's, think so. Feels like yeah, a coupon to I? me. I think you should take it back to their DMs. Feels like a big fucking coupon to me. Three big fucking coupons. You go get that hundred dollars. Three coupons. $300 because each code is $100. Yeah. Your mother would get that code. Yeah. You know what? My mom would absolutely get that. She would not, she would not give up until she got Mm -hmm. those codes. I will report back. So we want to update. We want to update on this situation. Yes. I will report back. Thank you for that reminder. Put on those earrings and go get those codes. Yes. That's right. Stars in the sky. Um, Okay, so I'm going to do my petty because it's weird. So, I mean, I've talked a lot. I love Princess Diana. I mm-hmm. have, I waited nine months on a wait list to get the red sweater with the black sheep uh, because I wanted, I wanted that. I, for some reason, I thought it would make me feel like close to her. So when the movie mm-hmm. Spencer came out, I was like, couldn't wait. And this weekend was not feeling that great. Have been like on and off with some sort of cold situation, but it was kind of snowing here. And I'm like, I'm going to pull out new socks. And you know what I mean? Like you have the old socks, which Mm -hmm. kind of shrink and get less Mm -hmm. comfortable, but then you get the new Mm -hmm. socks. I was like, I'm going to put new socks on and sit on the sofa and watch my movie. And I'm not sure I've hated anything more in a very long time. And really? Because I, I just got my screener. I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> Much like the Peloton, I would like to, mm-hmm. I welcome your feedback because I'm like, was I not in the headspace? Was I expecting too much? Was this like the time in college I went to go see Saving Private Ryan and thought because mm-hmm. Tom Hanks, Ed Burns, and Matt Damon were in it, it would be funny? Like, was <laughs> I just not? That's <laughs> a true oh story. Was oh I God. just like not ready to see <laughs> this level of just ma- ma- malaise? It was just oh malaise God. and on What did you think D-Day was? Okay. I, I mean, honestly. Laughing. 
as I cannot stop laughing at both. you like going to a theater. Guys, I was in Madison, Wisconsin. I was in Madison, Wisconsin. Well, I thought it was going to be more like a lighthearted war movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those... I mean, come on. Go back to the When did Good you have to be that? Goodwill Hunting had just mm-hmm. come out not that far before it. I was like, oh my God, yeah. Goodwill Hunting's in a war movie. And, <laughs> and that Tom Hanks would play like an earnest but yeah, a buffoon, like that there'd be jinks on Normandy it, or something. It's a good thing you didn't have to wait that long to know what kind of movie it was. It was like yeah. opening you, scene. You guys, it was it's a good opening thing the first scene half also. hour. What's <laughs> the longest half hour of my whole life? When I walked into the movie theater in <laughs> Easttown, Wisconsin, I think it was Easttown. I uh I was like I was with my girlfriend and roommate Jill. I was like everyone here's like 95. <laughs> Like, do you think it's going to be funny? She's like, I don't know. I guess we're going to see. And then Mm -hmm. it was not. And so I'm like, did I set myself up? Like, did I think that because, okay, so maybe this is true. We're really unraveling something here in my head. Yeah. So because I knew that the movie took place between like December 23rd and New Year's. Uh Uh-huh. That it was like a holiday movie. I'm like, I guess in my head, maybe I thought it was going to be like the the, se- the series finale of Downton Abbey when it's like, you know, the Christmas episode and everything's beautiful and decorated. So anyway, I was like really disappointed. Oh, that's that's hard. That is hard. I've noticed that, um, and correct me, I haven't seen it, obviously. I noticed that lately everything I'm watching feels really heavy-handed and really on the nose. Yes, that's, it was so much. There was so much. Like, this is how you should feel. And this is the good guy. This is the bad guy. This is the, yes. This, like, we're going to say how we're feeling instead of just trusting that you get it. Right. It's, it's very like, strange. I like a little nuance, like in Succession, where they're all mm-hmm. bad, but like, how bad? And who are you rooting for? But also Succession. I know. That last episode. Was tough. That I was can't a lot. take it anymore. It was so wonderful. It was so- just it was it was intense. That like it they the way that they really captured somebody you know bringing all of their their infantile bullshit to their own birthday party. Anytime you ever see Kendall start out anything going this is going to be great, this is going to be hot. It's not. It's going to be very, 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 very bad. <laughs> well, and the funny thing is because I'm a lunatic and I watched the after act the scenes like at the mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. So the title of the birth of the episode, I think, is Too Much Birthday, which yes. is actually from the Berenstein Bears. Uh, oh it was God. a birthday story, the Berenstein Bears and Too Much Birthday. And so that I was like, whoa, they're fucking geniuses. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. But the whole thing was such an arc of what you knew was going to happen, but in the most Mm -hmm. vivid way possible. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm here, but a bing, everyone's coming to my birthday, blah, blah. And then his siblings show up and he thinks it's great. And they're like, oh, we're just here to steal your people and fucking fuck you over. And your dad wants the company back. It was really, it was really something. But at the same time, he's like, here's a room where I just make fun of you all. (laughs) It's just with these posters, like you know who can do no wrong. I love that. (laughs) You know who can do no wrong this season in my eyes, Tom. Yeah. Um, I wish he didn't flip the desk, but okay. Yeah, he's so emotionally abusive to Greg, uh, cousin Greg. Though he was going to take the crimes that Greg did on board and do the time for Greg. Yeah, but it's like, okay, I'm going to do this nice thing for you, but I'm never going to let you forget it. That's probably true. Yeah, I was dubious he was going to do it anyway. Although I would watch a spinoff of the two of them in jail. Happily. <laughs> Happily. Wait, Michaela, are you feeling petty about anything? Yeah, always. Um, sorry, Julissa, I also uh, appreciate your um, not wanting to, you know, mull around and like petty things. So um, in that spirit of that, here's mine. Um, I... <laughs> Asked my husband to go buy me some deodorant. And I was like, <laughs> just unscent it. But make sure it has antiperspirant. I want the real stuff. You know, I, right. I, I like I'll deal with the Alzheimer's later. Just get me, get me the real stuff. All the time. I need the aluminum. <laughs> <laughs> and he calls me like, there's 750 choices of secret and none of them are unscented. They have so many. And I just, it's the same thing. I love everything that comes out of Vermont, except for the fact that they have a real shortage of people of color. But beyond that, everything in Vermont is pretty spectacular. 
cool it, Ben and Jerry's. Too many flavors. <laughs> Too, I shouldn't stand in front of an ice cream aisle for 20 minutes trying to read the pint because I don't want to let the cold out of the freezer through the glass. Try to be like, wait, what's in this like late night talk show flavor and what's in this cherry one and trying to decipher which one is the best. If it's too many flavors, it's too many deodorants, it's too many always pads, six hours, eight hours, overnight, in the middle of the night, just before morning and after you exercise. And also, is this for people who pee their pants? I can't tell. (laughs) I, I can't, I, it's too many choices. It's like the few times where I wish I was in like Eastern block (laughs) Russia. And I was like, show me three and I'll get the one that has the least amount of toxins in it. But I just wanted unscented. He he couldn't, there wasn't, he came home with water lily. I guess water made him think unscented. I don't know what water lily smells like. And let me tell you something secret. There's not like a fun, jazzy group of teenagers talking about your fucking deodorant flavors on Instagram (laughs) or or TikTok or any fucking thing. Like nobody cares. Give us five, five, six, and give us three different unscented. I couldn't agree more because you know what? Water lily is like fresh rain scents. Mm -hmm. They seem like they're going to be pretty innocuous, but actually they're far worse than powder fresh. Listen, if you've got a really great deodorant and it doesn't have aluminum in it, it, and I don't want one where you like think it's a cute packaging. If you are listening to this and you got, you swear by this, you know, at me, Michaela Watt, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-A-W-A-T, send it to me, (laughs) I will check it out. But I don't believe you. Let's start there because I've been burned or not burned. It has come off me like butter off a duck's back. Is how are we, Jalissa, what is the saying we're saying? Rolls off me like butter. You like butter. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, I want to say thank you to new deodorant spokeswoman, (laughs) Michaela. (laughs) And thank you so much. Seriously, so much, Jalissa. Thank you so much for co-hosting with me the past couple of weeks. It has been such a joy, a holiday joy. Thank you. Uh, Next week, Grace Parajani will be stepping in. So be sure to stay tuned. We'll have more hysteria for you next week. I'm from another planet. This nation's fragmented. But these girls can fan it. Y2K email and scan it. Don't take no for an Hysteria is a crooked media production. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer, and Brian Semmel is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis are the sound engineers, and our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Thank you to our digital team, Nar Melkonian, Mia Kelman, Milo Kim, and Matt DeGroote. <laughs>